It's 2021 and your W-2 says that you just made $500,000. You wanna be excited about it, but then you look down and you see on the federal income tax statement that you have paid over $150,000 in federal taxes to the government. That money can never be recouped. And as a taxpayer, you're reluctant to make more money because you know that that's more money going to the government that doesn't help you make the money. So what do you do? My name is Carlton Dennis, and in today's video, we're gonna go over how you can leverage the tax code as a high W-2 income earner to reduce your tax bill and come up with solutions so you can avoid overpaying Uncle Sam strategically. Let's dive in. Hey guys, now I'm gonna cut right to the chase. This video is not for anyone who has a sensitive or light heart because I'm gonna be very transparent and very real with you on why you are not receiving tax savings. And it's up to you to decide what you're gonna do with this information. At the end of the day, when you're playing poker, you're dealt a certain amount of cards and it's up to you to play your hand. And I'm just gonna tell you guys what hand you're dealt. You can choose to reshuffle the deck if you want to, and I'm gonna show you how you can. But before we go into how you can reshuffle the deck, the first thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna get the obvious deductions out of the way. The deductions you already should know about as a W-2 taxpayer that probably bothers you. The deductions that show up on your tax return, you're like, geez, is there anything else I can take other than these deductions? So let's get these ones out of the way really quick and then we'll dive into the deductions that will actually help save you money on your taxes. Let's dive in. All right guys, so the first thing I'm gonna talk about is standard deductions. I know, I know, I know, Carlton, you've talked about this in other videos, but you may be new to my videos and you have to understand the deductions that are automatically given to you if you're a taxpayer with a pulse and you make some money, okay? So let's just get the basic deductions out of the way. SD, SD stands for standard deduction. If I'm a single filer, I have to take the standard deduction if I don't have itemized deductions. So the standard deduction for me is 12,000, $550. Cool. Got it. Understood. Now, if I'm married, the deduction becomes $25,510. Okay. These are my standard deduction amounts. If I'm single or if I'm married, if I'm a qualifying widower, I'm still going to get 25,510. The only person that really is impacted is the person that's head of household. You get 18,650. Okay. So we covered that. These are the deductions that are given to you by the government. If you, the taxpayer, do not have items that exceed, exceed these amounts. Items include medical and dental. We're gonna get this out of the way, guys. Just bear with me. Medical and dental expenses, which let's be honest, how many taxpayers are blowing up medical and dental these days? Not a whole lot. You have your property taxes. You have to own a property to write off property taxes, right? Property taxes. Your property taxes include SALT. SALT stands for state and local tax. What does that mean? Well, you pay into state taxes, don't you? If you're in a state that taxes, you get a tax deduction for it. Government only limits you to $10,000 between state and local tax and property taxes. So we have a $10,000 limitation. Okay, cool. So we already got two itemized deductions out of the way. Medical and dental, property taxes, and SALT tax. Then we have our mortgage interest deduction, which the government tells us that we can take a deduction based on the interest on the loan only up to $750,000 of a loan. So we get mortgage interest deduction. Cool. But the last deduction we get is charitable giving. Okay. Charitable donations. Cool, 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 cool. So our itemized deductions are these. Medical and dental expenses, property taxes, salt taxes, mortgage interest deduction, charitable donations. The cool thing that we need to know is if we have more than the standard deduction in these expenses, then we can take these expenses 
over the standard deduction. These are called our itemized deductions. You cannot get both. You do not receive both. It's either standard deduction or it's itemized deduction. Who typically never itemize their deductions? Probably people who don't have homes. If you don't have a home, you're not writing off property taxes. If you don't have a home, you're not writing off mortgage interest. So the only thing that you're writing off are medical and dental expenses, state taxes and charitable donations if you itemized your deductions, okay? So that you have to pay over the standard amount to even need to itemize your deductions. Okay, the basic deductions have been covered. I'm sorry that you had to battle through that with me, but I needed to get through that. You should already know these ones. You should, as, as a taxpayer, already know your standard deduction and itemized deduction limits. You should already know these guys. These are your basic deductions. The deductions that when you have a pulse and you go file your tax return, TurboTax will ask you, hey, did you spend money on medical and dental expenses? Hey, did you own a home? Hey, did you have a mortgage? Hey, did you give money to charity or a qualifying 501c3? TurboTax asks all these questions. These are your basic deductions, right? If you don't have any of that, then the, the one thing pops up that says, okay, you're taking the standard deduction. Are you married? Are you single at the end of the year? Boom, now you fall into the category, you take the deduction that's given to you, okay? Boom, we got the standard and the itemized deductions out of the way, our basic deductions have been covered. Now, here are the deductions that the CPA tells us to take. I'm talking about the CPA that you show up to and you're like, dude, <laughs> is there anything I can do to avoid paying such high taxes? He's gonna tell you to do this. 401k plus traditional IRA. Okay? Now, if you're someone that's a W-2 income earner, you don't have to go to a CPA to know that you should be maxing out your 401k. It's not rocket science that the money you put inside your 401k is going to grow and you get a tax deduction for it. Most taxpayers understand that. But most taxpayers are bothered by the fact that the 401k only gives you $19,500 in a contribution. $19,500? Carlton, I make half a million dollars a year. What is a $19,500 deduction gonna do for me? Not a whole lot. And if you watched my video that I just did before this one, you understand tax deductions now. So really 19,500 times your marginal tax rate may only end up in a couple of thousand dollars in actual tax savings for you. So am I really having a huge impact on your tax bill by just telling you to put money into a 401k or just telling you to put money into a traditional IRA, right? The traditional IRA only gives you up to $6,000. So our CPA tells us to put money into our 401k. Carlton, I already put 19,500. Okay, he told me the traditional IRA. Carlton already put $6,000 into a traditional IRA. Now we're at a place where we already done the obvious things. We already took the retirement contribution. We already set up a traditional IRA and maxed that out. Next thing we did was an HSA. Dang, I looked up HSA. I found out that I can contribute up to $3,500 into my HSA. Okay. Do you see how small these amounts are? 19,500 into a 401k plan. By the way, you can't touch that money until you're 59 and a half. HSA plan, can't touch that money either. Traditional IRA, can't touch that money either. These are tax deductions that you can receive, but they're not big enough for you as a taxpayer. So this is when we have to get creative. This is when we have to think outside of the box. 
we're either going to give this money to the government or we're going to come up with a solution. Now, sometimes it might make sense for us to go down the charitable solution route. So let's talk about how you can be philanthropic and avoid giving taxes to the government. PFF. PFF stands for Private Family Foundation. I have a lot of clients with these now. I used to think it was only reserved for the wealthy. PFFs are now reserved for anyone who needs a big tax deduction. What does it mean though, to have a private family foundation? It's not a 501c3, it's different. It's underneath the 501c3 regulation, but it's categorized differently. It's a private family foundation, not a nonprofit organization. It's for nonprofit, but it's your own private family foundation. Well, what does that mean, Carlton? You have control over the money and where the funds go to after you've made a contribution into your own PFF. Let me explain. So let's just say Joe Schmo over here, the taxpayer, had that half a million dollar income W-2 for the year, and he decided to set up his own PFF. Well, if you're establishing a PFF, you're creating an entity structure that you can move money over into. The government will give you a tax deduction. The government says that if you have a private family foundation that you can roll over 30% of your adjusted gross income, so if my adjusted gross income was half a million dollars, I can roll over 150K into my PFF and receive a $150,000 tax deduction on my W-2 side, dropping my taxable income to 350K. Now, the cool thing about PFFs is that PFFs are your philanthropic entity to control which means that you can control who you hire inside of your private family foundation. You can choose where you wish the monies to go inside of your private family foundation, and you can choose the expenses associated with your private family foundation. Carlton, it sounds like I'm running a business. You are when you have a foundation. It's truly an entity structure that files tax returns on a yearly basis. So let's say we moved 150K into this PFF. Well, what do we have to do now? The rule of the PFS states that 5% of PFS's value at the end of the year has to go to another qualified 501c3 organization. Okay, okay, cool. Got it, got it, got it. So let's do some math. 5% of $100,000 is $5,000. So if I add another 50 grand, I got another $2,500. You mean to tell me, Carlton, that by rolling over $150,000 into my own PFF, that I have to dish out $7,500 to another 501c3 to receive a $150,000 tax deduction. Maybe you are gonna be philanthropic already. Maybe you are gonna give money already away knowing that you're a high income earner. Here's an avenue. How about we set up our own private family foundation roll over 30% of our adjusted gross income into an entity structure that we have control over, where we can now disperse the 5% yearly to qualifying charities that we wish to. Not to mention, if you establish a PFF before December 31st, before the end of the year, you can make contributions into the PFF and receive a tax deduction in that current year, but you can also choose to do this every single year. A private family foundation is meant to last in perpetuity. It's meant to be passed on to your family members. And what a lot of wealthy individuals will do is they will actually run these foundations and utilize them, which allows for them to hire children and other members inside of the foundation to work the foundation legitimately. Now, 
Doesn't that sound like a nice tax deduction, $150,000 for only having to dish out $7,500 to another qualifying 501c3? Nice. This is a strategy that you have in your back pocket being a high W-2 income earner. So know that you can utilize this, but it does require you to be philanthropic. You are donating money to your own foundation. Yes, you have control over it, but it's in the foundation. Getting money out is a little bit tricky and you need to speak with the tax strategist. Now, the next strategy we're gonna talk about is the CRT. CRT is, CRT is short for Charitable Remainder Trust. And this is another type of philanthropic entity that high income earners establish. The CRT is a little bit different than the Private Family Foundation in the fact that you can establish a way for you to get paid back out of the Charitable Remainder Trust. Hmm, so you can get a tax deduction for putting money in, but then get paid back out of that. Let's talk a little bit more about it. So let's just say we had Joe again and he was making some significant income. Let's just say he was making 1 million a year, W-2. And Joe ran into a tax accountant and was told that he can set up a charitable remainder trust. So Joe decides to set up this irrevocable trust and he decides to make a contribution to it. Well, when you make a contribution to a CRT, you're able, to, just like a private family foundation, to receive a tax deduction based on the money that you're rolling over into the CRT. Typically, the tax deduction is 30% of your AGI. However, once the money is sitting inside of the CRT, if we were making a million dollars, that could be a $300,000 tax deduction that we just received. So let's just say we rolled over that 300K into the CRT. So we have 300K sitting inside of the CRT. The CRT that we formulated can establish an annuity that pays us back for perpetuity, which means until we die. Now, the cool part is, is that when you establish the annuity, you're not getting paid the entire 300 coming back to you, which means you would be in that high tax bracket you would have been if you just had that million dollars come to you. The annuity can be established to pay you around eight to 9% yearly based on the money that you have moved over into the CRT. The amounts left over will go to charity when you die. And that's how the CRT works. Charitable remainder trust. The remaining amounts left in the trust go to the charity of your designation. But while you're here alive, you get to receive some of that income taxed at lower income tax brackets while also being able to make a contribution into your own charitable remainder trust for a big sizable tax deduction. Guys, these types of strategies don't typically come up in your tax person's office when you're sitting there at April 15th with a big tax bill wondering how you could have avoided it. Setting up a CRT and setting up a private family foundation have to be done in the year that you're earning income because you need to be able to make contributions prior to filing the tax return in an entity structure that was established in that current year. So this isn't something that you do research on and just say, okay, I'll get around to it. This is something that you proactively talk to a professional about to determine if it makes sense to implement. Now, I start off this video saying that this video is not for the light heart, someone that's sensitive. And part of the reason why is because of what I'm about to share with you. Maybe you watched over this video and you're like, mm, although these are good recommendations, I still don't wanna put money into a 401k traditional IRA and I don't feel like giving money to charity. Maybe that's you as a taxpayer and that's okay. But you have to understand what type of taxpayer you are. If you fall into this bucket that I've just described, then you're technically considered an unsophisticated taxpayer. I'm not trying to point you out, but I am. An unsophisticated taxpayer is a taxpayer that just has W-2 income, okay? You're gonna be limited to some of the deductions that I've shared with you already. 
But as soon as you become a sophisticated taxpayer, you have the ability to open up the 82,452 tax pages that I have already looked at. And I want you to be able to have access to that. But you have to understand what makes a sophisticated taxpayer versus an unsophisticated taxpayer. The difference between an unsophisticated taxpayer and a sophisticated taxpayer is the type of income a sophisticated taxpayer makes. A sophisticated taxpayer has passive and portfolio income outside of just earned W-2 income. What this allows for us to do is allows for us to utilize tax codes that the government has created around passive and portfolio income to help you reduce your taxable income. I am all about transparency and many taxpayers want to know, well, how does having passive income actually help me reduce my tax bill? If you have partnered with the government, then you are now in a place where the government wants to give you tax incentives. Partnering with the government's as simple as buying an investment property and renting it back out. When you decide to rent out your property, you're creating new tax dollars in the world and the government's going to give you an incentive for creating new tax dollars. The incentive is called depreciation. And depreciation happens to be the number one tax deduction that taxpayers take. Depreciation is taken for real estate investors on your entire building. But when you buy an investment property, you're buying land as well. When you decide to write off your building, you get to take it over the course of 27 and a half years, or you get to take the depreciation over 39 years. But one thing is for certain, Taking depreciation over long periods of time doesn't necessarily always help you. So you might, as a savvy taxpayer, choose to accelerate depreciation on your investment property. Now, you might be saying, Carlton, I'm earning rental income, right? Aren't I gonna pay taxes on the rental income? Depreciation protects you from paying taxes on the rental income because depreciation is an expense. It's a deduction. And at the end of the day, when you have this deduction, you end up with a loss on your tax returns. These losses can go to offset your W-2 income if you can pass some rules. The government has created what's called the real estate professional status. When you qualify as a real estate professional, you can use the losses that you earned from real estate to offset your W-2 income. Guys, if you're buying an investment property that pays you money that you don't pay taxes on, and then you have losses from that investment that offset your W-2 income, you're in a place where you're avoiding taxes while still earning really good income. And this is the part that I want you to get to. I want you to be okay making a lot of money, but also being okay not having to write checks to the government. The only way we're gonna do that is if we show on paper that you're not making a lot of income. But the only way we're gonna show you're not making a lot of income, but you still having cash flow is by leveraging depreciation. But when we leverage depreciation, it doesn't mean that everyone gets to have it. Only those who qualify as real estate professionals can use the depreciation to offset their W-2 income because the government's created some rules. The rules are, is if you have over $150,000 adjusted gross income, any losses that you have from passive investments have to roll over to the next year to offset new passive income. A majority of the taxpayers I work with make over $150,000 adjusted gross income. So they don't get to utilize the losses that they earn from real estate. They just roll over and roll over and roll over. The only way they'll be able to utilize those losses is if they were to sell their investment properties 
or if they qualify as a real estate professional, then they can start utilizing their losses moving forward. The only other way that we can utilize losses to offset our W-2 income from rental real estate is by running a short-term rental business. When you have tenants living in your property for seven days or less, and you materially participated in your real property trader business, then you can categorize your passive losses as active losses. Active losses is exactly what you're looking for as a taxpayer. Because if I have active losses, my active losses can go to offset my active income that I'm earning. Now, my active income is my W-2, 500 to $1,000,000 salary that I have that I gotta figure out how I'm gonna offset. But one thing is for certain, if I just keep putting money into my 401k and you know, I'm just only writing off my property taxes and I'm just only writing off my mortgage interest, then I'm always gonna be giving money to the government. I'm always gonna be in this situation where I'm overpaying. And if I work even harder, the more money is gonna go to the government. Yes, I can utilize the charitable remainder strategy. Yes, I can utilize the PFF, but now I'm in the place of being philanthropic. So one way in which you can continue to make money without always having to give up the money is by investing into real estate and having the right level of participation in your real estate so you can utilize the losses. My name is Carlton Dennis, and I've really enjoyed teaching you guys about real estate, deductions, and how to avoid taxes strategically as a high W-2 income earner. It is upon you to become a sophisticated taxpayer. It is upon me to help you get there. My name is Carlton Dennis. If you like this video, like, comment, subscribe. I'll see you guys on the next one.